Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And speaking of champions, today's topic is the games of the whatever Olympiad it is, the Tokyo 2020 Olympiad. It's been a long road. The games were suspended by a year due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but we're finally here and we're seeing competition. It's a point of interest for me. And I know that it's not our typical content, but I enjoy it so much. I felt like we should talk about it today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm doing, I'm doing good. Uh, we began watching uh, the Olympics and, uh, of course, we have to watch the coverage that we have. But uh, when you start looking into the Olympic, it's uh, it's uh, the 2020 Olympics here in 2021, which is interesting. The 32nd, uh, I think it's the 32nd Olympic Olympiad. And I think it'll be a very good discussion uh, to talk about uh, these athletes that have been trained so hard. These young athletes uh, trained so hard and they have a chance to showcase their their talents and uh, we're watching, been watching it, and uh, it's very inspiring. Yes, definitely. And uh, I'd like to start off by just talking about the Colorado connection, the local connection to us. Um, a Colorado young man won in uh, air rifle. Let me just pull that up real quick. I don't have any of this stuff ready to go, but uh, here we go. Let's take a look. His name is Will Shainer, and he won in the 10-meter air rifle competition. Uh, Colorado Springs is where they say that he's from, but uh, they said that on the broadcast, they said he learned to shoot rifles in Rifle, Colorado, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, we'll go from the people that we know the least to the people that we know the most. Um, because there are some people from our local area competing. Uh, in men's gymnastic, we have a young man who we don't know from Adam, but his name is Yule Moldauer, and you live in Golden, and he is from Golden, and he went to Golden High School. So mm -hmm. here's um, Yule. Our connection to him is that he trains at the same facility where I played indoor soccer as a kid, and we spent hours and hours at that facility. It got repurposed um, around the time that I left high school into a gymnastics facility. They trained the 2008 bronze medalist Sasha Artemyev, and of course now the young Yule Moldauer trains there. He's a student at the University of Oklahoma, and yet he's a Golden High School gymnast. And so it's kind of cool to see someone from your town where you live um, and my hometown, I suppose, um, make it all the way to the big lights of Tokyo. So congratulations to Yule. Mm -hmm. um, also another product of Golden High School, which of course I didn't go to Golden High School, is Lindsay Haran. Uh, and our connection to her is she's the same age as your daughter, my sister. And she is, of course, the number nine on the U.S. women's soccer team. So she's had a lot of athletic success in her career up till now. And that includes, of course, being a starting midfielder in this year's Olympics. So congratulations to Lindsay on being on Team USA for the Olympics. And then, of course, I went to Wheat Ridge High School, and so did my sister Laura and my brother. And we have a Wheat Ridge High School Olympian that I would like to shout out. Um, 
she actually played on the same soccer team as my sister during high school. And I see her uncle and her aunt uh, on my daily walk, not every day, but uh, her uncle owns a little business park near my house. And so I often see them. So there's a Wheat Ridge connection. Um, Annie Coons, she is competing in the heptathlon and she was the top qualifier from the United States. So she's going for gold in Tokyo. Um, so those are the three Colorado people that are from so close to here that we wish them all the best luck. Yule Moldauer, Lindsey Horan, and Annie Coons. And of course, congratulations to Will Shaner, the Colorado Springs rifle shooter that just won the gold medal. <laughs> yes. Uh, and. Uh... And uh, we know Annie Coons, uh, she went to high school with Laura, mm -hmm. uh, my, my daughter, your sister, and such a nice family, such a lovely young woman and a very nice person. And I think a lot of these athletes, uh, they work hard, they, they try hard, but they're just very nice people. And uh, they're just great, great, great citizens, mm -hmm. just good people. And uh, I not only wish them from the Colorado Connection, uh, all the luck in the world, and we're behind you, we're with you, and we're proud of you. Uh, but also, I see people from all over the world, and I just think it's it's wonderful that that they have just as much support from their home uh, homeland and hometowns uh, than than we do for ours. Yes, that's I guess that's why I started off with the people from Wheat Ridge Golden. You live in Golden, I live in Wheat Ridge. Um, I went to Wheat Ridge High School. And there's a Wheat Ridge Olympian, there's two Golden Olympians, and of course the Colorado connection as well. Just because, mm -hmm. like you said, since the Olympics is global, so many people across the globe have a local connection. And, and that might be in their state, that might be in their city, that might be um, a Tunisian man, a uh, young man, 18 years old, won the gold medal in swimming. And I can imagine that they were over the moon in Tunisia. You know, you might have been from his hometown. You might have been from somewhere else in Tunisia. But you see this young Tunisian man come out of nowhere. He was the last qualifier. Let me um, just pull up his name. That's a very inspiring story. Uh, I get it. He, he qualified the last qualifier, but he won. So, yes. yeah, pull up, pull up his name there. Uh, long shot Tunisian swimmer Ahmed Hafnawi shocks the world by winning Olympic gold. An unknown Tunisian swimmer won gold and stunned everyone at the Olympics, even himself. So <laughs> in the semifinals, the top eight qualified. He qualified in eighth place. And there were 12 one-hundredths of a second separating him from not qualifying at all. And then he gets into the finals and he swims the race of his life. And he wins the gold medal. Well, I guarantee you, in Tunisia, they're happy for him. <laughs> And I guarantee you. And I think that I, that's what I like about just pointing out the Wheat Ridge and Golden Olympians and the Colorado Olympians is that everywhere around the world, there's someone that's the pride of their hometown. You know, these people that we see are are, are Golden and Colorado and Wheat Ridge and Colorado participants. We're proud of them. We're proud of the work that they've put in to be elite athletes, to be some of the best athletes in the world. But it's cool for us to be proud of them. But you got to realize that all over the world. People are proud of their local athletes. And that's kind of, that's one, I think, inspiring thing about the Olympics. And uh, I know uh, for many, many years I coached, and I didn't coach at a high level. I coached at, uh, uh, not, at the, not, not, not at the Olympic level. Mm -hmm. uh, but I coached little kids. And I know how much work, how much dedication, because some of them went on. Uh, 
into college and on. Uh, but I know how much work, how much dedication, uh, that how much sacrifice that they make and how much sacrifice their, their family makes. And, and I just want to, and they're talented, extremely talented. And I just want to say that all the Olympic, all the Olympic, uh, uh, athletes out there that whatever, whatever medal you, you earn is fantastic. Whether it's gold, silver, or bronze, it doesn't matter. Or no medal you at all. A medal. Or, and also no medal at all. Mm-hmm. You made it there. You competed. And I think you should be proud. And I think your country should be proud because you're there giving it your all. Uh, that's that's the kind of uh, uh, dedication and pride that we really need uh, in this world today uh, with everything else happening all over the world. And those are the kind of people we need to see uh, in our in our world, uh, people who are dedicated to achieve levels uh, that are that are positive mm-hmm. and not hurting people. I mean, they're, they're just trying to achieve high levels of their ability mm-hmm. and they're doing it. So congratulations to all the athletes, whether whatever medal you, or even no medal, uh, just that you made it there and that all the dedication and talent uh, just to make it there. Yeah. So having said that, uh, it is it's fun watching. Uh, and also <laughs> I was watching the uh, the uh, the coverage and and uh, in the gymnastics and someone makes a mistake or something. And and uh, it, it's not to me. It's not about where they're from. It's just that this athlete has worked so hard to get there. And then they probably done that that move uh, a thousand times and they make a mistake when it counts. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nerves have to be just it's all about uh, concentration. Uh, but what what a what a challenge and what experience that these uh, these young athletes have. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty inspiring and I do enjoy watching it. Um and yeah, I mean, I think it's inspiring for anyone who wants to achieve anything to sort of watch the Olympians and realize these people have dedicated themselves to sort of um, becoming the best at their specific specific talent. And that's that's admirable. But now that we are about 15 minutes in, I would like to do a little bit of bitching and moaning about the primetime coverage. Because, I'm with you, David. I'm with you. Because it's five minutes of gymnastics two and a half, three hours of swimming, and then they show five minutes of, of beach volleyball or something. And it's like, I know that swimming, it starts off, and some of the races are very exciting, but I think they could forego showing some semifinals in favor of showing uh, more, um, a wider variety of events. Yeah, I was looking it up. There are 339 different events. There's 33 sports. 50 disciplines, uh, and of course there's 11,326 uh, athletes competing. Of course they can't show everything, uh, but then uh, show as many as you can. And uh, the other thing I I I, uh, I understand we are in the United States. I understand people in the United States want to see people from the United States. I want to see uh, people from uh, my hometown and. From Colorado and from the West and from the United States. Sure, I want to see that. But I also want to see people from other countries competing as well, uh, because I just I just have a, a respect for that type of effort. I would like to see more of the other countries uh, as well as just just what we do well in. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and some of some of the unusual sports. I, uh, I mean, I haven't. Uh, uh, I just started watching, but uh, uh, a lot of what I've seen is swimming and and a little bit of gymnastics, and then uh, just highlights uh, here and there. But a lot of them, we would just say, "Oh, this person competed. This person competed." We didn't even see hardly. We didn't even hear some of it. Yes. So uh, uh, an American woman won Taekwondo. I believe it was Taekwondo yesterday. 18 years old, first gold medal of Taekwondo in history, and it warranted an 11 second highlight where you didn't see any of the points that were scored in the match, and then you saw her celebrating, and it's like I could have foregone seeing the 20 second swimming match of the evening's broadcast to show the final Taekwondo match in its entirety. I think they only last four or five minutes. They could have shown her winning. They could have had someone announcing, okay, she just outpointed her opponent. Oh, she just got in a, a wheel kick and and that's worth a point. Oh, if she scores this next point, she's the Olympic champion and she doesn't. That would have been better than saying, oh, this 18 year old girl won the Taekwondo and they show an unrelated three seconds when they're sort of squaring off and then there's no action and they're like and there she is on the medal podium i would have liked to see her win the taekwondo that would have been nice instead of seeing here's the semifinals of a swimming race that one american is going to get seventh place in it's like i i don't i mean i would rather see there's such a wealth of people that have worked their whole lives it would be cool if some of them when they succeeded and achieved the ultimate goal got a little bit more love on the primetime broadcast i agree i agree I also want to say that due to maybe the latency, the network latency of sort of having <laughs> a Skype conversation, we're very close to each other, so we do our we do our podcast over Skype. We don't actually use Zoom or Microsoft Teams or anything, um, but we are very close in geographic proximity. Like I said, you're in Golden, I'm in Wheat Ridge, and these discussions can take place in real time. I do think that there's a little bit more network latency when you're talking about Tokyo, Japan versus, I don't know, Athens, Georgia, or wherever the hell these families are. But whenever they try to, when someone wins and they try to have them talk to their family, it's a disaster. And we've seen it two straight nights in a row. I think we watched two nights, Saturday and Sunday, we watched the coverage, the primetime coverage. And my question is, when are they going to abandon having the athletes try to talk to their families because every time when they try to do it on a live broadcast it goes disastrously wrong so my my advice to nbc is just abandon having them try to talk you know maybe you could have the family say we're so proud of you we're so proud of you we love you and then just you know have them react to that and then start asking them questions in real time live because um, the family thing is becoming a nightmare every single time you know the person can't hear there's the audio is bad because they're they're sitting across the room and they're waving and it would be let's just do a little visual uh the audio is terrible because they're sitting across the room and there's just a laptop with a microphone so yep so it it would be like if i did the (laughs) podcast like this hi how's it going (laughs) <laughs> I was I was going to do the same thing, David, just to demonstrate. I was going to do the same thing just to demonstrate. <laughs> That's true. They're so excited. And who was the swimmer? The the swimmer. It was fantastic. The, yeah, the guy that won the gold on the first night. I forget his name. I, for, I feel bad for great. these people. But 
I mean, good for him. He won. I'm proud of him. But it was so funny. He goes, he's there going, I can't hear a word you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear a word you're saying. You know, yeah. Okay. Well, we saw that. We saw that the uh, the audio was was so poor that because they're not they're there to watch him. They're not there to communicate with him. Yeah. Just, they didn't know what was going to happen. They're beside themselves. They're so happy. Oh wow. And there's 15 of them in a room, and they're all sort of buzzing with excitement. It's not the time to have a conversation, especially with no. one with one mic placed 15 feet away from the person that's trying to talk to you. <laughs> uh huh. Um, that's right. So those are my gripes about the broadcast, but basically I love watching the Olympics. And I, I do have a few gripes. I wish they would show more sports on the primetime broadcast. Um, I will say we did just, we subscribed for the Olympics to Peacock. And they do have replays of the soccer games and the women's soccer games. And they have a, a few replays of other stuff. And I think that's been a good investment for five bucks just to get a little bit more Olympics coverage. Because then you have the option to watch stuff that's not on the primetime broadcast. Um, so, yeah, there's a new streaming service. And I will say, you know, these niche streaming services, I think you have your Netflixes and your Amazons. And then maybe your Hulu. And then you have Disney Plus and then you have everything else. Well, we subscribed to Paramount Plus on Prime Day. And Paramount Plus was the worst streaming service I've ever experienced. I paid 99 cents for it because on Prime Day, you could get a month for 99 cents. I looked through their library, and I feel like I overpaid for Paramount Plus. Now, <laughs> with Peacock, he's paid the five bucks for Peacock Premium for the Olympics. And you look at their library, and that value proposition is a little better, partly because, A, they have all this live sports going on now and all these replays of Olympic matches, and they have The Office. That's really an ace in the hole when it comes to streaming services. Well, speaking of coverage, David, let me ask you um, something Something I don't know. I'll ask you a question about this. Um, it seems like there should be a, a, an ability to cover more events. Uh, why do you think they don't cover uh, more of the events or just know more of the um, – the, the the dense of the United States athletes and that that they're going to win a gold or that they are they're in contention or uh, do they not know or well, why do you think that is? I think there are strict broadcasting rights. So I would pull up Peacock, but I don't like to show like I'm logged into it on my personal account or whatever. Um, but it's fascinating to me. A lot of the replays, you have to wait 24 hours after broadcast for them to be available as video on demand. And some events, like swimming and track and field, aren't available as replays on Peacock. And I think that's because there are strict rules on what can be video on demand, and marquee events are swimming and track and field. So those ones aren't allowed. I think that for the traditional wisdom is nobody... No, nobody understands Taekwondo. Nobody really understands fencing. So you can show the match, but it's difficult to tell what's going on because we're not really educated in that sport. Uh, in America, we want swimming, track and field, and gymnastics. And so that's what they put on the primetime broadcast. And I, I think that that makes sense. We can understand swimming. It's just a race. We can understand track and field. It's just a race. And then gymnastics, 
uh, our women anyway, are, are the best. So it's fun to watch them sort of dominate. Um, and uh, I mean, gymnastics has always been a favored Olympic sport. I think the reason why we don't see the other sports is because we don't understand them well enough and we can't describe them well enough. I watched the skateboarding coverage. I felt, I thought it was cool to have skateboarding in the Olympics, but I'm sort of of a mind and I've n- I never skateboarded because I was too afraid I was going to get hurt. Um, but I like watching skateboarding videos. I feel like skateboarding belongs in those skateboarding videos where they go out on the streets and they film their best tricks and they do these death-defying, almost stunts these days. They're doing crazy stuff. But then they set it to music and they film over a period of six weeks and they get a solid three or four minutes of footage and they set it to a cool song. And that to me is how I envision skateboarding, how consuming skateboarding. Uh, Having them in this sort of sanitized environment, street, they call it street, but it's like it's a stadium. It's a skate park more or less and they're doing these tricks, that's not really how it would go on the street. And so it doesn't really seem like street skating to me. Right. Yeah, it's, it's like when you're playing, when you're playing sports uh, with your buds and in the park and you're having a great time, that's different than when your lights are on and the competition is there. Mm-hmm. Well, another, another perspective though, uh, is that I'm just wondering, when I was watching this, the thought crossed my mind, why, why don't we see, there's 339 events and we're seeing maybe, and there's 33 different sports, we're seeing maybe three sports or four or five sports, mm-hmm. and we're hearing about maybe four or five others. There's a lot of other things going on. But I'm what, what the thought crosses my mind, I'm wondering if uh, we are still contracting to view this from the old rules when there are only like three main networks and they're comp- like CBS, ABC and NBC were competing. And if one of the networks gets it, the other two don't have it or they can report on it. And so do we have that old, uh, the, the old school way of, of uh, contracting to show different, different sports? Because now there's much more to show and there's much more outlets that can be shown uh, that can be used to show it. Yes. And I wonder if, I wonder if there should be a, a different type of, of negotiations or a different type of relationship, financial or, or business relationship going on uh, to where they can show more uh, and, and spread their, uh, don't go with just one, one channel like, like, like I, like they used to, you can go with, with many different channels and change their, their, uh, their strategy. So yes, you're right. And let me tell you, why it is the way it is in my perception nbc has the olympics we watch nbc over the antenna because we're we don't have cable at my house or at your house no cable we don't pay for cable so what we're seeing is the -the over-the-air broadcast of the olympics by the nbc network now we also pay for peacock which is the streaming service of the nbc network and they offer additional content now what if you wanted all of the content like you're saying do you know what you would have to do do you know are you asking me yeah oh you you need to get cable you need to buy a cable subscription get cable and then you can log into nbc sports through your cable provider and then you have access to every single event now do you know who owns nbc no comcast 
Oh, okay. So they're saying, pay for our $75 a month service and you get all the events. So the value proposition of, we're not gonna offer all the events on our $5 a month streaming service, but we will offer all the events on our $75 a month cable service, and you have to lock in for a year contract. When the Olympics is over, I'll probably cancel Peacock because I don't need that $5 a month charge, but I'll be $5 in the hole. If you want to watch every single event of the Olympics and you love it enough, they figure there's going to be people out there that want to log into NBCOlympics.com, see every single event, or see they want to see judo, or they want to see surfing, or they want to see skateboarding in its entirety. Um, and so they'll pay that 75 bucks for a year. So they're basically paying, what, 750 plus, uh, that's what, 825, 900 bucks. <laughs> they're paying 900 bucks for the year. And so Comcast is like, well, this is a good opportunity to get squeeze 900 bucks out of someone, make them pay for cable, just so they can see the Olympics. And so you sort of see where that's a good value for them. In a world where I think fewer and fewer people are paying for Comcast cable services, this is one of the last gasps of, well, I can't see everything unless I pay for cable. So, so the way, so what you're describing is, uh, they recognize that there is a very broad offering, very a very broad uh, number of uh, products that they can offer, uh, but then they just uh, uh, tier it. It's a tiered offering mm -hmm. to where if you want to see everything, then you can pay for everything. And so they will show you some of the main things as far as like a trailer, like advertising. But then if you pay want more of it, then you can pay more for it. Uh, but then to see all of it, you're locked in for a lot of money. Yeah. And I mean... So is that how they do it? Yeah, there's whatever, 650 American Olympians. Well, you think 650 people, it's like, we've met two of the Olympians. But what if they were like a family member? And their event isn't aired, but it is aired if you pay 75 bucks a month for the year. And you say... You know, I'm never going to have a family member or a really close friend or, you know, ever be in the Olympics again. This might be the only chance I have to see someone compete from their first race to their last race. And so I'm going to pay the money. I'm going to pay the money and see it. And, you know, you imagine with 600 some odd Olympians in America, there are thousands and thousands of people willing to pay the money to see this person that they know, whether it's your niece or your nephew or your son or your daughter or your husband or your, you know, because there's no, there's no spectators this time. So there is this network of people that may have traveled to Tokyo that can't, that will gladly pay 900 bucks for the year of Comcast cable to see, to be at the events that they couldn't be at. So it's kind of fascinating in that regard as well. There's a, this caveat where um, let's say, you know, Annie Coons. I'm sure that her parents would have been right there in the stands cheering her on. But I guarantee you they are going to figure out a way to get the cable coverage necessary to watch her events. Um, and so Comcast can make money off of the fact that, you know, family members and loved ones aren't traveling to Tokyo. Yep. Well, there'll be a lot of, not just family members, but people who know her, who like like Annie Coons, mm -hmm. people who played with her, who watched her play. Oh my goodness, she was awesome. Yeah. She was fantastic. Uh, people, was, I want to see her. I want to see her uh, uh, compete mm -hmm. because she's she's amazing to watch. And, amazing to watch. And you think she's just one competitor out of the six hundred and fifty that are here in America? I That's think right. that most of them have that story. 
where it's like I know a lot this, of them do. You know, I know like people that I know this person. I want to see them, you know, compete to have their moment in the sun. And I don't have to go to Tokyo to do that. I just have to get a cable subscription. So yeah. it's it, it's understandable why they do that, right? Yep, I understand now. That's a good that's a good explanation, David. And it does make sense. And it makes sense actually from from Comcast's viewpoint too, mm-hmm. because they do they do have the ability. They they have they do go they go through the ability and have the ability to offer it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, uh, it's like they deserve to get paid for it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but they, uh, yeah, they paid a lot for the broadcast rights. They're going right. to figure out a methodology in which because. I'm sure their hope is they have this new streaming service called Peacock. Well, they'll throw some of the team sports on there, softball, soccer, uh, women's basketball, and they'll just hope you sign up for your five-buck-a-month subscription, and then you sort of forget to cancel it after the Olympics is over. And I think that happens for a lot of people. You forget to cancel. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what they're hoping. If you get you in the door, and the interesting thing to me was I signed up for a free Peacock trial, and it had access to everything but only live. Now, Laura, she's going to be uh, working long hours this next month. And she's like, well, it'd be nice to have the replays. And that was five bucks a month. The Olympics only lasts two weeks. And it's like, well, it's five bucks. And then you can watch the Olympics when you're off after working long hours this month. Um, and I mean, I can watch them at my leisure as well. So it seemed worth five bucks. But now, I'm sure that a lot of people, NBC knows, they're going to sign up for Peacock. They're going to forget to cancel. And then they're going to get that five bucks a month for as long as they forget until they see it on their credit card bill one day and they say, <laughs> I haven't watched Peacock in six months and I've been paying five bucks and then they'll cancel. Um, that, I think that's a strategy, right? Yeah. And then for some people, yeah. they're going to say, oh, they have all of The Office. I used to watch that on Netflix and... I could start watching that again and it only cost me five bucks a month. That's worth five bucks to me. I think that that type of, those are two possibilities that they're hoping for. Or the people could say, oh, I can't believe I spent, I, I spent all that money, I didn't watch anything. Or they could say, well, I spent that money and I used to watch it, but now I don't. Now it's time to stop. Mm-hmm. So you could have different different perspectives on it. Yes, well, yeah, so it's, it's not bad. I'll tell you this, um, with Prime Day, we got Paramount Plus. And there's this really trashy reality show that Laura and I love called The Challenge. You've seen this. Uh-huh. You've seen us watch it. You don't like the show. We love the show. Yeah. I think that everyone has, uh, at least everyone my age, um, they have their reality show guilty pleasures. And I have two. Mine are Top Chef. And Top Chef is cool because these people are really good chefs. So they actually do have a lot of talent. And then The Challenge. And I don't want to speak ill of The Challenge. But a lot of it is drunken drama. But then there is a competitive aspect to it. It's not just uh, eye-rollingly dumb. It's, I mean, it is eye-rollingly dumb, but I think there's dumber shows out there. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, this, this statement makes sense, but the connotation doesn't. Just because there's stupider, I mean, there's, just because there's worse shows doesn't mean that's a good show. It's just I find it's, it's it not ex- relative. I find it extraordinarily entertaining. And when Amazon did Prime Day, they had 99 cents for Paramount Plus. Well, they had a whole season. Oh, another reason I like the challenge is 
It started when I was a teenager, or maybe even slightly before I was a teenager. And so these people on the challenge, I saw them come and I saw them go and I saw new people come. And now on the challenge, like the oldest people, the Johnny Bananas types, or the CTs, they're like my age. And I remember them from when I was in college and they were college aged. And now they're in their mid thirties, you know, and so am I. And so you sort of sort of identify with and everyone's like, they're the old guard, we're the new young bucks. And I'm like, I want the old guys to win because they're my age, you know, um, sort of like in sports. You sort of grow up with these reality sh stars over 15 years or so. You sort of, you feel like you get to know them or you, you sort of root for them or whatever. Well, they had a show on Paramount Plus, long story short. That was the Challenge All-Stars. It should have been called the Challenge Old. It was <laughs> everyone on the Challenge who'd aged out about 10 years ago. So it's these people in their 40s, late 40s, early 50s, um, and they did a challenge. So that was... I was like, that's worth 99 cents to me. And that was the only show on Paramount Plus that I found worth watching. I guess I'm not a big Star Trek guy. Paramount Plus has all the Star Treks. So if you were a huge Star Trek fan, you maybe subscribe to Paramount Plus to see that. But once that show was over, I was like, that 99 cents, it got me that show, but not much else. And and I immediately canceled that subscription. I didn't see any value in Paramount Plus. Now with Peacock, I'm seeing a little bit more value. There's a lot of live TV, a lot of their, you know, because NBC has a family of networks, whether that's USA, CNBC, you can see those live on channels. There's a lot of sports coverage that I, I think Paramount Plus lacked. And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm seeing a value proposition for Peacock that I didn't see for, for Paramount Plus. Even though this is supposed to be a discussion of the Olympics, it got into a discussion of the streaming platforms. Well, you know, it's a very, very interesting comparison as far as I'm concerned, let me just throw this out there. You, know, you say that I'm not a fan of the challenge, and I'm not. I don't like it. Uh, but the contrast, uh, I just want to bring up the contrast between the challenge and the Olympics. Uh-huh. Okay? Uh, and so here, the, 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 the challenge, you have these young people and old people and trying to do things, and, and uh, that's not the show. The show is like you say, getting drunk, getting fights, start cursing at each other, and, and it's the lower element of their personalities, <laughs> you know. But then on the Olympics, these are the people who've, who, who, have, who have worked their, their lives and they've dedicated hours and their, their, their families are supporting them. And they're going to they're gonna try to achieve the highest level of competency in their sport. And uh, they're... they're countries are proud of them their families are proud of them their colleagues are proud of them and they're trying their best to do their best and it's all positive and then the challenge is all the the negative aspects of the human nature of of cursing and yelling and undermining and fighting and, and to me that contrast i think there's enough there's enough of the lower element in this world just look at the news. Yeah, I think the positive element on on the Olympics. I think we need more of that uh, because that's what we should strive to. Oh, the other thing is that the spirit of the Olympics. That's what we should strive for. That's what we should communicate to our societies, to our culture, to people around the world and young people. That's what they should strive toward. They should not strive toward 
what they see on uh, the the challenge type of uh, interaction. That's true. And I think that a good example of that, to go back to the Olympics, to sort of get into the spirit of, oh, um, is Katie Ledecky last night. Oh, yeah. Um, Katie Ledecky is one of the best American swimmers for the women ever. And last night, she got a silver medal in the 400 freestyle. She got outkicked by Titmus, Ariane Titmus of Australia. And Katie Ledecky swam her second fastest time ever. And they interviewed her and she said, it was a great time. I swam a great race. And I think that she wasn't upset. They were trying to make this about the rivalry between her and Titmus. She was happy with her performance because she, they said, she's one of the hardest working people in the pool. Well, she swam her second best time ever. Her only other best time is her world record. And she has the 800 and the 1500. She has all these other events to do. She can only train so much. And there's someone in the world that's better than her. She's not jealous of them because she knows how hard she works. And so by extension, she knows how hard her competitor worked to best her in this event. And so I think that she sort of had this attitude of, oh, it's fair play. I trained hard. I did my best. I put up a great time. It just wasn't good enough in this race. So congratulations to the girl who won. And I think that spirit of competition is sort of more of what uh, this nation, what this world needs, where it's like, I did my best. And take a look at my result. It was the fourth fastest time in history in that race. And the only reason she lost is because her competitor raced the second fastest time in history ever in that race. So how can she be upset? You know, and that's sort of that was sort of her her attitude. And she's like, and I have some other races, you know, I'm going to I'm going to work hard and, and focus on my other races now. Well, I thought that was really cool. Well, the lesson to be learned there is that, yes, I came in second. The other person came in first. We both tried hard. I respect them. I don't hold a grudge against them. I don't say they cheated mm -hmm. I don't say there was <laughs> it was rigged they say no I tried hard they tried hard they won I didn't I didn't win the gold I just got the silver but I'm happy and I'm happy for them mm -hmm. they want to celebrate that they won because they know they know how hard it was because they did it and so that type of spirit uh, we need not only in sports, David, don't you agree? We need that type of spirit all over the world in every aspect of our lives. Mm -hmm. And you, you kind of get, get where I'm going with that. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a lesson we can learn. Like it's sort of to your point about how the challenge shows the worst side of human nature, but the Olympics can show the best side of human nature. And part of that is win or lose, you do your best. Win or lose, you try your hardest. And there's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. There were some Americans that hit the wall in swimming these last couple of days, because that's basically all they show. Um, a, <laughs> a couple hundreds of a second behind the third place finisher. And they got fourth place by two one hundredths of a second. That, in the course of your lifetime, you'll have millions of hundreds of a second or, or billions. I don't know how many hundreds of a second you'll have in your lifetime, but it's a significant amount.
right? And That's those right. those two are the only two that kept you from being on an Olympic podium. And that is the agony of defeat. And yet, you can say, I was the fourth best person in the world, period, right. on that day. And not, you know, only three other people could claim to be better than you in the whole wide world. And that's that's something impressive. Yeah, you may not and be able to stand on the podium. You may not be able to take anything home. And should not be ashamed of that. Yeah. You should be proud of that. And when you hear that, we should be proud of them because they were in the mix. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the top of the top of the top. When you get up there at that level, because having been in sports for so long, at that level, any given day, any one of them could be number one. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, on this day, at this time, at this moment in time, here is the gold, silver, bronze, fourth, fifth, and sixth through the tenth. But another given day, that mix could be different. Another given day, that mix could be different. And so I think I think we uh, we have a uh, we 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 have a problem saying they're gold, so they're the best. They were the best at that point in time. Mm-hmm. They are one of the best, and all of them on that on that podium, and all of them are competing. They're all the best, really. That that's how I see it. And so another thing about sports is that. I think a lot of the sports are this way. Some of some of the athletes are not, but the way you should be, especially growing up when you're young, uh, and uh, and I always saw that the, the the coach of Titmus, uh, he was kind of like uh, kind of unwieldy, but I think when you coach people, you want them to be their best, and uh, you're you're good because you're good. You're not good because you wish the other person is bad. Actually, you want the other person to be as good as they can be, and you want to be better because you're good. Yeah. And and if they're better than you, then I am my best. They are their best at this point in time. This is the way it is. And I think you have to learn to be a gracious winner and a respectful loser. And I think that all of that is part of the package of being an athlete. And I think we all need to learn from that and all and I'll have a much better view of our society. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think it's easier to be gracious when you already have five gold medals? That's my question about, I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I think, I don't think it matters. I think whether you have one, none or 10, I think that it's a personality. It's part of their personality. And I think that, that, uh, that, they won, they won five in a row, and then all of a sudden they got a silver instead of a gold. They go, I did my best. I tried as long if that's their personality. And I think that's what I'm saying. We need to have a different type of personality. If you had a silver, 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 and then got a silver, you can be just as upset mm-hmm. as if you had a gold, 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 and got a silver. Uh, it's, about, it's about the personality. Yeah. Now... Uh, before we close today, I would just like to say we discussed this while we were watching the broadcast, and and I think that what you're saying is true for for a race type event, but what about an event like boxing or judo where you're matching wits with someone, and sometimes getting in their head gives you a psychological advantage, and that's part of the gamesmanship. It may seem less sportsmanlike, but if it gives you a competitive advantage to win, 
is it worth doing it at that point? And then that sort of brings me back to my initial point, which was, you know, Katie Ledecky, notwithstanding, she seems like a nice young lady with a good head on her shoulders who really has a good perspective about the fact that she's one of the greatest swimmers that's ever lived. And yet, when a lot of these swimmers win, um, may it be like Ryan Lochte or even some of the swimmers that they've interviewed, they're not particularly articulate. And I think that this sort of like, I'm going to do my best, and if someone beats me, so be it. That's a great attitude to have. And yet, swimming, and I may be talking out of turn since I'm a terrible swimmer, but it doesn't really seem like a thinking man's sport. It's a sport where you train your body, and you start fast, and you go fast in the middle, and then you try to end fast. And I, I know that the races have strategy, but a lot of it seems like it comes down to training and just doing your best, you know, an individual, it's an iterative process, not a strategic process. Does that make sense? Yes. Well, I thought you were going a different direction by saying uh, when you do have competition, what, what, like swimming and, and, and gymnastics, you're focusing on what you're doing and what you're doing. You have to focus on what oh, you're doing. Team versus individual? Well, when you have competition like boxing or, or, or basketball or, when you're against someone, you can play the middle game, mm -hmm. uh, and you can do you can do that, uh, and uh, you can win that way, and you can be really negative and like uh, uh, I'm gonna, you know, you can stare them down, and you can, uh, but the point is, you that that can you can work, and you can win that way, uh, or you can win by just being better, <laughs> and uh, so what's more important to you? Uh, winning is winning everything or is winning the right way important to you and I think that uh, unfortunately that brings to, to surface uh, that the, there's a other there's a lot of things to be learned in athletics that can be transferred to life uh, there's a lot of things you can do uh, to win at things uh, but then sometimes you have to sacrifice things you don't want to sacrifice or you shouldn't be sacrificing, even though someone else did. Now, I'm, I'm speaking vaguely here, but I think you understand, hopefully you understand where yeah. I'm going with this. Well, I think a lot of, when we think of competitors, of one of the greatest competitors we've ever seen in my lifetime and your lifetime, Michael Jordan, and that documentary, The Last Dance, and how every little thing that happened, he took it personally. And it was personal for him. Oh, you're gonna give Carl Malone the MVP? Okay. Okay, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the finals. And he took it personally. You gave Carl Malone the MVP, not me, and he put up 35 points a game and he won the finals. You know, someone said something to him at a restaurant. George Carl didn't acknowledge him at the restaurant. And it's like, George Carl, we both knew Dean Smith. We've been friends for 20 years. It's the finals. We lost game one. We eat at the same restaurant. George Carl walks right by me. He doesn't say hi. So that's how you're going to play it? Okay. We'll see you on the court tomorrow. We'll see you on the court tomorrow. And takes out that slight, the, the slight. I, it would, you know how you call something a slight when it's like, oh, you slighted me. It was a yeah. slight slight. It was such a slight slight. And Jordan used that <laughs> to fuel him to victory. And when, uh, Jordan was afraid with the last dance. But people are going to see this and think I'm a jerk. And the thing was, the way he came off was, it's not really that he's a jerk. It's like he is one of the most competitive people that sports has ever seen. And he took everything personally, and it was his job to sort of avenge these minor 
uh, you know, transgressions against him on the basketball court. But the thing was, he didn't think that they were bad people. He thought anything they did to try to get into his head, it was his job to make that back on the basketball court. And I think that's what sort of made him a great competitor. He didn't allow it to cause him to have a psychological breakdown. He said, I'm going to perform more on the basketball court, and then I'm going to show them. So he was able to channel all of that into his competitive drive. Right. So it's how you use those things. Uh, those things that will happen, it's how you use them. Mm -hmm. it's like, use them for, for the good, for the, for the play, for the game, for the, for the win. But don't use them negatively. Uh, and don't don't try to win uh, using negative tactics. Yeah. Although, I mean, I will say also, I guess where I was going with the swimming thing is the person that hits the wall first wins. There's no debate. There's no discussion. If the person didn't jump early, if they jump off the blocks in time and they swim their race, when Titmus hit the wall a few, a few hundreds of a second before Ledecky, Titmus wins the gold. There's no relitigating that. Now, a, a lot of life there is. Let's take gymnastics for instance. Someone like Simone Biles may be so far advanced over the other competitors that if she lands her tricks, she wins. But take the uh, race for silver and bronze. The two people can have the same level of difficulty and perform with the same level of proficiency. And then it comes down to a choice of whose style did you like better. And that's difficult because it's not like you hit the wall first. You performed the trick. You didn't bobble. You stuck your landing. You did two twists and a flip. And so did the other person. And they beat you. And it's like, why did they beat you? And that's that's difficult to deal with because, uh, I mean, a lot of events are like that, like gymnastics and skateboarding and surfing. And I think watching skateboarding, I guess I've just come back to skateboarding. I don't really feel like it should be a competition. And... I love skateboarding. I'm glad that it's in the Olympics, that it's getting you know the notoriety it deserves or the, the attention that it deserves. Um, but it doesn't seem like a competition sport to me. It seems more like an art form. It would be like if you did competition graffiti muraling and you had five people take their graffiti cans and they mural up this big wall and then a judge comes by and says, this art is the best. It would be weird, don't you think? <laughs> I guess they do that though at art shows. They have like best in show and stuff. They have awards for film and music and television. So it's like, yeah, they do judge art. Depends on the taste of the judges. But are you uh, identifying the difference between uh, the art form of skateboarding and then the technical aspects of skateboarding? That's true. Like in, in ice skating, you'll have the technical and then you'll have the artistic and you have the short and long form. And and so the, they're separating it out. And uh, so... Yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with you, too. Uh, watching the skateboarding is just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's just fantastic. Th those people, uh, are, it's not just, it's not just, uh, it's not just stunts they do. Uh, it's artistic. Well, we saw, last week we saw AlphaGo. And AlphaGo uh, is, a, is a game where you win or lose. Uh, but the way you win and the way you play is as much an art form, too, because there's so many complicated moves. Mm -hmm. OK. And so but you can lose uh, because the other person wins. <laughs> uh, OK. And so is your art form no longer good anymore? Well, there's there's a 
tendency to say, oh no, uh, I didn't win a medal. So therefore maybe my art form is not good anymore. No, it is, it is. It's just, it's just everything is relative and it's all timing. Uh, like I said before, today, you may not have the gold tomorrow. You maybe you will. Yeah. And some people try, 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 and they never make it that far. That doesn't mean they don't deserve as much, uh, uh, as much recognition as people who win win the gold every time. Yeah. And sort because of like how in art, like the box office or the the number of streams you get determines how popular you are as an artist, and sort of is a de facto determination of how good you are as an artist. And so I, I'm a, here on Spotify right now. I won't share the window, but there's an artist. He's a rap artist. His name is Little Zan. And he's really bad. <laughs> All right. So let's just, <laughs> let's just, okay. So I'm looking at, oh, let me just, I could share the window. Um, I'll just share my second monitor here. So Little Zan, he's terrible. I, if you listen to him, you wouldn't like his music. But Little Zan has, oops. Wow. Uh, Little Zan has 2 million monthly listeners, okay? Now, how many monthly listeners does Dmitry Sostakovich have? He's got 1 million monthly listeners. So are you telling me that little Zan is twice as good at music <laughs> as Dmitry Shostakovich. That's my question. And the thing is, when you start sort of judging people based upon numbers, they're going to optimize for those numbers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those numbers are true. Do <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. Very good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. So when you watch the Olympics, bringing it back to the limit, when you watch the Olympics, uh, you have, I guess, our, the competitive spirit says, are they going to win the gold? Are they going to win the silver? Oh, no, they won the bronze. You shouldn't think that way. You just watch at the beauty and and the respect that they deserve with, with what each of those athletes uh, do, each one of them, and, and all of them, all of them, from all over the, all over the world. I think it's just, it's just fantastic. And I think before we leave, I think we should talk about what are you excited for in the Olympics? Me? Yes. Oh, wow. What do you mean? What do I, what do I want to see? What do you want to see? What are you excited for? I, well, like, like I just said, I, I'm not really rooting for any one thing. I just want, I'd like to see, uh, uh, I'm anxious to see, uh, Annie Coons do well. Mm -hmm. I want to see her do well. Uh, I want to see all the uh, American uh, athletes do well. Uh, but I, I just, but it's funny because Annie Coons, because I know her, and she's such a nice person and a fantastic athlete. I mean, she's always been a fantastic athlete. She deserves whatever she earns, uh, whatever it is, but she deserves to be there for sure uh, because I know her. But that's why. Mm -hmm. uh, but all the other athletes, say from America or from the other countries, or I don't know. I just, I just, I don't have. I don't. I don't favor one over the other, uh, other than Annie Coons, maybe because yeah. I know. 
Maybe that wasn't the answer you're looking for, but no, I, no. I, I mean, I think that uh, hoping that the Wheat Ridge competitor and the heptathlon, women's heptathlon uh, gets a gold medal because you know her and you, I mean, you knew her when she was in high school and she played with your daughter. I think that's that's a fine answer. And I think for me, I'm looking forward to watching the games. I just hope that the pressure on some of these U.S. stars, which I think is greater than on a lot of other people, especially Simone Biles. I hope she does well. You know, I hope that she's happy with the fact that she came back, the fact that she had to wait an extra year. Now she's 24, which might as well be 50 in gymnastics years. And if she can do what they think she'll do, I'll be very happy for her. If she doesn't, but she's happy with it, I'll be happy for her. I just really, what I'm hoping doesn't happen is these people get COVID at the last second and they can't compete. That would be an absolute tragedy after spending their whole lives working towards this. So that's the first thing I hope doesn't happen. But I hope that whether they win or lose, they're okay with the way things turn out, all of the athletes. And I know that some of them will be saddened by defeat. And I know that some sports are worse than others. Like boxing is notoriously corrupt at the Olympics. Um, so I feel bad for some of these guys. But I hope that if they perform well, they'll have a good professional career after amateur boxing. Since amateur boxing is, uh, it's had a lot of issues through the years, I guess. Let's just say that. Um, so I hope that no matter what happens, these athletes, uh, they can avoid tragedy during the Olympics. And then they can find meaning after the Olympics, even if their Olympic dream is over or if it continues on to 2024. That's that's my ultimate hope. I. I agree, David. Now that now that I think about it, I agree with you. I think what I want to, what I hope for the at Olympics, what I really hope, is that every athlete, whatever, how whatever their support mechanism back home, they come back as heroes. Whatever they do, because they went there, they competed, and whatever whatever happens. They come back as heroes because they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good place to end the episode, don't you? Okay. So it was uh, fun. Yes. So we're Sons of Sequoia Podcast. It's S-E-Q-U-O-Y-A-H. And we're available on YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'd like you to tune in. We're live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 9 a.m., Uh, Feel free to subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. And we'll catch you in the next one. Is there anything you'd like to say as we leave today? Sons of Sequoia always says keep on talking. But listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Take care, everybody. Okay, bye.